So this morning, I'm really thrilled to be here, uh, bring you greetings from Arise Church, and uh, I know they're having a good time back home, but I'm excited to be here. I've had children free all week, so you're getting the best Jillian you could get. <laughs> so that's that's good to know, isn't it? Um, well, this morning, uh, just to let you know, I've got a resource here with me. It's Women of Wisdom. It's a uh, DVD series, and it's basically practical wisdom for women. So I just thought we just need to get some practical wisdom from the Bible. It's four sessions of me just going through some lessons, basically, and teaching it on DVD and then a study guide. Uh, has anyone having a birthday this week, got a mum who's having a birthday or a grandmum, if that's you, you can wave your hand at me and we'll give you this to give to either mum or yourself for a happy birthday week. Good, over there. Thank you. Could someone please run that back? Thank you so much. That's lovely. Well, be blessed. I hope they enjoy it. They'll be pleased. You come bearing gifts. Now you don't even have to go shopping. How good is that? All right. Well, this morning, I, um, I want to bring this message uh, this morning, and then tonight, I'm speaking again tonight, and I've got a message that I'm really excited to speak. I have saved the best till last, okay? Well, my favorite, and I'm going to be speaking tonight, Give Me My Mountain. So even if you don't normally come, you should come tonight, because I really believe that uh, in the season ahead for your church, that this is just going to be something that will propel us into the future. I actually think it's got a prophetic touch for your church on it, and I, I wanted to bring that word tonight. This morning, I'm going to get right into it with the time that we have. I want to download this word for you and, and, and let it speak and minister to your spirit. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak through me. Uh, let this word be fresh, and let it be mana from heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to read this morning from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. You can turn there with me if you've got a Bible or if you've got a smartphone, you can have a look or they're going to pop it up behind me. Hebrews 11, chap 11 chapter 11, verse 1 says this, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. By faith. Uh, you know, I have a son. Uh, maybe you could chuck up that picture of my family. You can see, uh, oh, thank you guys. That was very quick. Um, there's Johnny, my Scottish redhead, my fireball, and he's just so awesome. And then there's my daughter, Lara. She's gorgeous. She's 14. She's already trying to run the church. In fact, her dream is not to take over our church, but to start her own. She's like, my big dream is to plant my own church. I'm like, go, baby, go. That's great. She's a um, born leader, uh, so takes after her father. And that's my son, Will, with his cheeky little grin. And yes, he is cheeky. Uh, he's very, very special. He's the baby, so he gets totally spoiled. And I only had two, so then they get completely spoiled, both of them, really. Anyway, that's um, my family. I love them. They're wonderful. They're a blessing, and uh, they're great. So um, my son, Will, uh, he was learning Pokemon. Do you remember when there was the Pokemon thing, got to catch them all, and oh, every parent was driven crazy by going out on the streets, trying to follow their children around to catch Pokeballs, and you had to shake a Pokeball and throw it at this thing and catch it, and I had to learn a whole new language of Pikachu and Pokeballs and, and all kinds of stuff, and I had to um, actually Google how to play Pokemon. It wasn't something I grew up with, and I had to figure out what it meant, and then he went into Clash Royale, and it was Electro Wizards and Elixir, and and, um, you know, all these things. And basically, 
I really wanted to connect with my son. I wanted to be able to, you know, enter into his world, and it was all about that. So I had to learn to speak a new language. I had to learn a whole new vocabulary. And I actually think that's like us as Christians. When we become Christians, the Bible says that we are born again. When we believe in Jesus, we are born again. And as Christians, what that means is that we have to acquire a new language. Just as a baby is born and begins to speak, hopefully they say mama first, but often it's dada, uh, and every mother's disappointed. But as the baby begins to acquire language and begins to speak, they learn this language of earth. But just as we are a Christian, we are born again. And God wants us to acquire a new language, a heavenly language that would connect with him. If we desire to know God and connect with him, we need to acquire this new language, a new way of speaking, not a language of the earth, not a language that speaks of negativity, that it speaks of despair or loss or hopelessness or defeat. But instead, God wants his people to speak a language of hope of breakthrough, of blessing, of prosperity, a language of peace, a language of joy, a language of healing, a language of flourishing. And God gives us this language, a language filled with life. And he wants us to learn to speak it. Uh, You know, uh, my sister, I've got one sister and her name is Jane. She's my older sister. And she, she's traveled around the world and she lived in Europe. Now she met her husband in Italy. I know, right? And he is an Italian younger than her. She met him at about 40. So just remember, there's always hope. You never know when God's going to bring Mr. Wright along. And he's just gorgeous. His name is Domenico Salambini. And uh, yes, you're imagining him now, girls, and that's right. Yes, he's very delicious. Not as delicious as John. So I'm just happy for my sister. Okay, just putting it out there. I'm happy for my sister. Okay. And so he's just a lovely man. Some of the men are not laughing. It's okay. You're delicious too. Okay, it's all right. It's all right. (laughs) You're not Italian. You're Australian. You're strong and manly. That's good, you know? Every culture has its own thing. All right, let's move on. I'm really digging a hole. (laughs) Okay, you're still not with me. Okay, that's all right. So, uh, Domenico. So, my sister, we went to the markets, and she's speaking Italian. Buongiorno, molto bene. That's all I've got. <laughs> Bellissima. And she's, like, speaking in fluent Italian. I'm like, oh, my goodness, she's amazing. And she's speaking the language of Italy. And I'm like, my goodness, if I have a little niece or nephew, I want to be the favorite auntie. I have to learn to speak Italian, too, so I can connect with them. I want to encourage us all in this room that we need to learn to connect with our Heavenly Father. We need to learn to connect with this language of heaven. And this morning, I want to give us three simple things so we can walk out of this room today and begin to speak this new language. It is not hard, but it is a simple choice to commit to three things and begin to speak a new language. So I want to talk about that this morning. You know, you might have come in feeling discouraged. You might have come in feeling weary. You might have come in with an unfulfilled promise. You might have come in with some burdens on your life. I'm promising you now that when we learn to speak this language, We learn to access everything that Christ has already made available for us. So let's get into it this morning and discover these three keys to speaking this language of faith. Number one, faith is a language of expectation. Faith is a language of expectation. What are we expecting that God could do? Uh, Pastor Danielle talked about the journey of starting Arise Church. We were youth pastors in Auckland Uh, and we had a ministry there. We were known there. People knew who we were, and God called us to move to Wellington, eight hours away, where we didn't know anybody. 
We had no friends there. There was no social media. There was no Facebook. Nobody knew who we were. We didn't have like followers on Instagram or any kind of reputation in Wellington. And God called us to go there. And we're like, man, God, we just have to start all over again. You know, we have no credibility. We have no, you know, grounding down there. We've got to start again. And I was praying about going and, and trying to get this peace because we're saying goodbye to our family. All our family lived in Auckland, saying goodbye to all our friends, saying goodbye to an established ministry, starting from scratch. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I have sent you to reap where you have not sown. I have sent you to reap where you have not sown. That framed an expectation in our hearts that God was going to produce a harvest that was not part of our human effort, that we wouldn't have worked for a harvest, but that God had a plan to bring in a harvest and that in his kindness, he would use us. That framed our expectation. So before we even went to Wellington, we began to see a harvest come in. We had people who were backslidden, who that a friend said, my, my friend's backslidden, but they might be able to play in the keyboard. And they came along to church, played the keyboard, and they gave their life to Jesus. How good is God? But it framed our expectation that God would bring in the harvest. You know, we've seen people receive Christ every single week. Every single week we have seen Christ come into people's hearts and thousands of people have come back to the Lord. But it wasn't at the first our harvest. It was the expectation that God gave us of harvest. See, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. What we hope for. Faith is what we hope for. That what we hope for will happen. It gives us assurance about things we can't see. I want to ask you this morning, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for in your life? See, the people of God always hold to hope. The people of God always have hope. The ember of hope is to always be alive and awake within our spirit. Hope is the helmet of salvation. With hope, we have an anchor that holds within the veil. Hope is how we access everything that God wants to give us. My friends, what are you hoping for today? Have you given up on what God said to you? Or are you still holding to hope that it will come to pass? The people of God must always have hope alive in their hearts to have an expectation that God wants to do something in our lives. If we started off in business and we're believing and hoping that God would use our business to fund the kingdom advancement here at C3, Kiwana Waters, believing that God would la supply land and buildings and move the church into a new season of prosperity, we had hope that this business that God gave us would cause overflow to happen. Don't lose hope in the midst of downturn. Don't lose ho hope when a customer goes. Believe God that there's someone else is around the corner. Believe God that he is wanting to bless what you are doing. Have expectation and hope. You see, we are to speak out of expectation. We're to speak out of hope. It's not to be pipe dreams or pie in the sky. We don't speak or based on nothing. We are to see it and speak it before we see it. See it in the heavenly realms and speak it out. How do I know this? Because of what happened in John, in the book of John chapter 2. And I want you to turn there if you can or watch on the screen. John chapter 2 and verse 3. There was a wedding at a small town called Cana in Galilee. There was a wedding, there was festivity. I love that Jesus was at the party. He was at the party, he was there for the party. I love that, I'm here at C3, I know that you like to party. I know you're Pastor Phil. He's no wet blanket. 
When Pastor Phil's there, the party begins. Uh, We had him speak at our conference, and it was incredible. There was a supernatural overflow of miracles. He brought the Word of God, and then he partied. Like, he got us all dancing, and we were having a great time. I even rapped. It It was wonderful, and my rap was so bad that I was like the comedic person in the room because it was so bad and I will never rap in my life again but Pastor Phil made me I blame him (laughs) here's Jesus he's there at the party he's there at the celebration he's having a great time let's see what happens it says this the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee Jesus's mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. They, They have no more wine. I mean, why is she telling him? Dear woman, it's not my problem. That's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. She had expectation. Mary had been at home with Jesus. We don't know for sure, but maybe he'd multiplied the stew at dinner. Maybe he'd multiplied the bread for them at home. Maybe he'd made things float. Maybe they'd done some cool miracles. We don't quite know, but Mary knew. Mary had expectation that if Jesus was there, Jesus could do something. And so she said, do whatever he tells you. Even though Jesus is saying, I'm not really wanting to get involved in this. I'm like, I'm not quite ready to get involved, but she had expectation and she kind of forces God to get involved in her situation. You see what happens when we speak a language of expectation, even if God wasn't planning to get involved, God can't help himself and get involved. Now in this situation, it was a wedding. If they ran out of wine, this couple would have faced huge humiliation. They would have been humiliated. It was very, very bad culture to not be able to be hospitable. It was bad for them if they couldn't supply wine. It would have been a huge mark against their marriage. Mary knows this. She says, I know my God. I know my God doesn't leave people in a place of failure. I know my God doesn't leave people in a place of humiliation or embarrassment. I know God is good. I know that he does good things. So I'm expecting that he could solve this problem. I'm expecting that he could turn up and turn this around. One woman became expectant. Is there someone in this room today that would become expectant? That even in the face of the circumstance, and even when it feels like God has not given you your answer yet, that you would stay expectant, holding to hope, giving God the substance of something to work with, the seed of faith and the substance of hope that we wouldn't lose our expectation. Do whatever he tells you. And so Jesus is prompted to act, and he says, fill the jars fill the jars. And if you know what happens, the jars of water that are filled with water are turned into wine. In that moment, Jesus does his first transformational miracle. He turns up and he transforms the situation. Expectation produces transformation. Everything can shift in our life if we would have expectation and we would begin to speak. We would begin to speak about it. What are you expecting God could do? Faith is the substance of everything that we are hoping for. Number two, faith is a language of declaration. Number one, faith is a language of expectation. Number two, faith is a language of declaration. See, the enemy of your soul would like nothing more than to silence you. He doesn't want you to speak what you can't see yet. He, wants, he doesn't want you to speak out in faith. 
He doesn't want you to speak words of faith because he understands the power of the saints of God speaking words of faith before they see it come to pass. Hebrews 11.3 says this, By faith we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command. It wasn't formed when God thought about it. It wasn't formed in just because God wanted it to happen. It was formed because God spoke. Now, the Bible says that we're made in his image, and you've obviously probably heard people talk about this before, that when we speak, we are actually creating. God spoke to create. When we speak, we're in his image, and we have the power of creative miracles in our tongue. The power of life and death is in the tongue, Proverbs says. You know, the wise woman builds her house how through what she speaks. We're told again and again that our words have life. Words are, are likened to water in the book of James. We understand that, you know, the spring, the fresh spring flows out of a pure heart with God, that out of the heart the mouth speaks. So our words have the power to create. By faith, we understand the universe was created by God's spoken word. So we also must understand that what we speak has the power to create. We have to begin to declare what is not as though it will be. We speak before we see it. We live by faith and not by sight. And we declare what will be because we are the people of God. See, uh, John and I were newly married at, uh, many years ago now, 22 years, <laughs> and we were living by faith. Uh, we were on a very small salary, $9,000 a year. It felt very small at the time. I'm sure it probably is still now. And we were trying to get by and survive and uh, rent a house, pay power, eat, those basics, have petrol. And you know, we, we were just getting by. And then John, as only John can, he says to me, oh, baby, we need to have this couple over for dinner. I'm like, okay, that's good. I was trying to wisely steward the household finances and the grocery bill. I said, okay, just so you know, if we do that, we've only got one frozen chicken left. And we're going to, you know, have to eat vegetables for all the rest of the week. I am not a vegetarian. I eat meat. I was not very happy about this because I'm like, I can have at least three meals with meat and then I can survive on vegetables till we get, you know, some money back in the bank. And uh, John says to me, don't worry, baby. It's okay. We're going to sow that chicken. We're going to sow that chicken. He's not like we're going to eat it. I'm not just going to eat it. And, you know, we didn't, he didn't sort of speak out something natural. He spoke out something supernatural. We're going to sow it. He spoke a language of declaration, a language of faith. So... I, we invited those people around for dinner, and so I thought, right, well, let's make it taste good. I cooked up this chicken real good. I put lots of oil on it, lemon in it, and I grabbed some council garden herbs because I can't grow anything, everything dies, and besides, the herbs were free. And so then I, um, I put the herbs on the chicken, and I cooked it up real good. It was crispy skin chicken. I hope you're not too hungry right now. I know this is the lunchtime service. Hopefully you had brunch. Anyone's stomach rumbling? It was good chicken, and I served it up, and I, I was generous with it, but I also kind of hoped, you know, most people don't eat the legs, uh, I thought, or the wings, I thought maybe there'd be a bit left, you know, for tomorrow, we might just have a little bit left, but no, it was gone, every morsel was gone, the bones were picked bare. Okay, 
We sewed the chicken. So anyway, off to work the next day, just as we were leaving the house, uh, a white van pulls up in our driveway. And then a delivery man hops out and he goes, delivery for Cameron. I'm like, yes, that's us, that's us. And I wasn't expecting anything. And he starts putting these brown cardboard boxes on our porch. I said, what is it? And he goes, I've, I've got nine frozen chickens for Cameron. Nine frozen chickens. We sewed that chicken and we reaped a harvest of frozen chickens. Somebody's got to speak a language of declaration. We don't live in the natural, we live in the supernatural. It's all about how we see it and it's all about how we say it. Some of us have got to learn to speak it out differently, amen? You see, in Luke 17, the apostles, the future apostles at the time, the disciples, they come to Jesus, and I love the fact they always had a curly question for Jesus. They come to him and they say this, Show us how to increase our faith. Great question. Show us how to increase our faith. The Lord answered, If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, May you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. I love this. How to increase our faith. He doesn't say, Pray and fast. For three weeks. He doesn't say, do a Daniel fast. He doesn't say, tears of intercession and travail. He says, say, say. People of God, if we want to increase our faith, we have to speak to the mountain. We have to say that it will be moved. We have to declare, open your voice. Open your voice. Don't be silenced. Don't say, stay in what you see, but begin to speak what could be. Begin to declare the word of God and let it come to pass in your life. Don't be a people who's, who look back and sit back, but be a people who declare, declare, declare that what God wants to do, he will do, and he will perform his word concerning you. Amen? Somebody's got to say what God is wanting to do in their life. Okay, we've got another example of this in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 7, we see the Roman centurion. Luke chapter 7 says this, Jesus went with them, but before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends and said, Lord, he had a sick servant. He said, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home. I'm not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because of my, because I am under the authority of my superiors and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. If I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Who wants to amaze Jesus? Who wants to amaze Jesus? I don't know about you, but I think that would be pretty cool to be somebody that could amaze Jesus. He was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And when the officer's friends returned, they found him completely healed. See, this is a, some, some person who has the greatest faith Jesus has seen. He hasn't seen it in God's chosen people. He's seen it in a Roman. And he says, this is the greatest faith I've seen. And what did the Roman do? He said he understood the power of saying the word. Come on, every person in this room, we sit back and we don't speak it out. And God's saying, come on, say, say what you want me to do, declare it. Because I know that if we speak it out, God will have to, he will want to, he will turn up and he will perform his word. Amen. 
Somebody's got to begin to speak it out. When we align our language with the promises of God, the supernatural realm of heaven is aligned with our lives. See, all of heaven is in supply. There's no shortage in heaven. You've probably heard somebody say that before. There's no shortage of healing. There's no shortage of provision. There is no shortage in God's house, but sometimes we're in shortage here on earth. Why is that? Because we're not aligned. We're not creating an open heaven through what we say and through what we're doing. We're not creating an open heaven through what we're saying. We're keeping it closed. And God wants it to be open over our lives. God wants us to come to such a place, such a place where our confession dispels darkness and causes the entrance of light. Uh, John and I were in the season where we were just living by faith. We were invited to go to Europe. And I mean, who doesn't want to go to Europe, right? <laughs> Sounds wonderful. Um, but the reality is that with our income, it didn't really seem like a wise or prudent thing to do. And so we were wrestling with that, and we felt very prompted by the Holy Spirit to go. And we sought counsel, and people said, this is, this is something you should do. And so even in the natural, like it looked like we shouldn't go, we felt that God was leading us to go. So by faith, we borrowed money off parents, and we saved whatever pennies we could, and we scraped together enough money to go on a trip to Europe and be in a closed room with Reinhard Bonnke. It was pretty special. And so we were, we were able to do that, but it was very challenging. And when we got home, you know, we were, actually had debt because we had to pay people back, and it, it didn't seem like it was a great thing to have done, but we had to trust God. And we knew that in that season, God did something special in our marriage. We had six weeks alone. It was, it was actually just a wonderful season where not only did we receive great things from people of God, but we also were able to just have a beautiful time in our marriage. And, you know, we got home, and we had lack but John had said to us before we left, he'd made a declaration. He said, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. And I've got to tell you, he wasn't being flippant with that. It wasn't just one of those statements of, uh, we're going on a summer cruise, God will provide. No, it was what God wanted us to do. It was in line with his will. And therefore, John was declaring he would provide. About three weeks after we got home, a friend called us up and said, hey, I really feel like prompted. I've got to come and give you some money. We're like, great. <laughs> yes, that would be good. Uh, and so we're like, what are you going to do when someone wants to give you money? Come over for breakfast. We're going to cook you up breakfast. And so I cooked up breakfast and we made pancakes and, you know, French toast, lashings of maple syrup and bacon. This was before the days of the buckwheat, pa buckwheat pancakes and the organic movement and they everything got ruined. And um, <laughs> it was the really good cooking, you know. I could cook that well and now my buckwheat pancakes never turn out. They're like a flop. I'm like, just that doesn't work for me. Anyway, we cooked him up a really good breakfast and we were like making it really nice and we sat down over this uh, breakfast and then the moment came, he handed us an envelope feeling that envelope, seeing how thick it is, uh, praying it's not, you know, potpourri and a $20 note like Nana would give you, you know, hoping it's a bit more than that because that wouldn't really cover the cost of cooking breakfast. Anyway, we were like, okay. And uh, he drove off and we're waving, bye, bye, see ya. And then we're like tearing open the envelope the minute he's gone. You know you've done it. Don't judge. Don't judge. You know, you know. You get that in the mail. You're like, ooh. <laughs> you tear it open. I know. And so we tore it open. We saw, we were like, <gasps> and then check was the exact amount of money that it had cost us to go to Europe because we'd calculated it all. Nine and a half thousand dollars. 
more than we were earning in a year, God had provided for us to fulfill his will. If it's God's will, it's God's will. Somebody in this room, you've got to make a declaration. Make a declaration. Believe for God's will to align. Align with his purpose and his promise and his provision in our lives. Number three, faith is a language of promises. Faith is a language of promises. So we've got faith is a language of expectation. Faith is a language of declaration. And lastly, faith is a language of promises. Hebrews 11, 11. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. See, all the greats in the Bible, they had one thing in common. They tenaciously clung to the promise. They held tight to it and they did not let go of it. No matter the passage of time, no matter the battering of life, no matter the circumstance that they were in, no matter what they experienced, they clung to their promise. I think sometimes we just don't hold on long enough. We think we're old and it's not going to happen. And God says, no, 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 my righteous ones will be a fruit in their older age. Actually, we might just be entering into the season where God wants to do something. We understand that many people have begun their public ministries at the age of 60. God is not finished with us when we think that we're finished with life or finished with work. There is no retirement in the kingdom. There is no retirement. There's only the, what would you call it? I don't know, going up to heaven. <laughs> That's the word. Ascension? No, we don't really ascend though, do we? Resur- I don't know. Anyway, somebody needs the word. Anyway. <laughs> It's the fifth time I've preached all weekend, so just be kind, okay? Okay? (laughs) 2 Corinthians 1.20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us. See, I really believe that promises are almost like something that God has already given us. And there's promises that have tried to settle on your life. I have a picture of like when the Holy Spirit fell on Jesus and the the presence of God descended on him. And I feel like that's what it is like with the promises of heaven. You've already been given a promise and it's resting on your life, but it doesn't come to pass. It's not activated unless we say amen. See, because it's up to us to say amen. It's already there. It's already available through Christ, but the amen is spoken by us. Some of us have got to enter into agreement with what God wants for our life for it to actually happen, for this to take place. You've got to take hold of that promise, cling to it, and say amen to it over our lives. You know, as we learn learn this new heavenly language, we have to speak out the promises of God and declare it, that it is a new thing. We're no longer living in despair. We're no longer living in defeat. We don't speak a language of negativity or doubt. We speak a language of belief, of faith, of confidence, of purpose, of optimism. God dwells in an endless state of enthusiasm. That's the language that we get to speak. You know, Jesus has promised us the kingdom to rule and reign with him. He promises to be with us in all circumstances. He promises to never fail us. He promises to provide for us. He promises to bring us safely to our eternal home. He promises us peace and joy. We have this language full of promises. Now, if you're like me, you've been in in a meeting and someone said, oh, the promises of God. And you're like, okay, okay, I need to know the promises of God. And you freak out. I freaked out. I'm like, I I don't know what the promises of God are. And I I think to me, like how my brain thinks is I'm like, I've got to go home. 
I've got to look through the Bible. I've got to highlight. I've got to write down. I've got to figure out what are the promises of God because I don't really know. Like, what are God's promises? Is anyone like that? Anyone like me? You're like, they're talking about the promises of God and I don't know what the promises are. (laughs) Look, I want to tell you today that we don't need to know all the promises of God. We just need to know the one that we need. We just need to know the one that we need because he's already spoken it to us and then through us we say amen. If God's given us a promise, cling to it. Say amen to it. Believe for it. See, God has given us a promise. Maybe in this room you've had a bad doctor's report, but God has given us a promise of healing. He says, I am the Lord who heals you. He's given us a promise of healing. He said that I am the Lord God who heals you. He said that by my stripes you are healed. He went to the cross for us that we would know healing. He says that he heals all our diseases. By his wounds you're healed. The Bible in Psalm 107, he sent forth his word and healed them. We don't live without a promise. We begin to speak it and we say amen. You know, the doctors might say that, but God says this. You know, I've come to know that this is very, very real. If the band could come and join me right now, it'd be amazing. There's a woman in our church by the name of Julie. And last year, or just the year before last, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. It was a very sad time for our church because everybody knew and loved Julie. She was, she's, she is a beautiful woman. And she's got, she had, was about 40 or so. She had three young children. This was huge. Nine months earlier, her sister had been diagnosed with stomach cancer, and within six weeks, she was dead. So the family had been through the trauma of this already, and when they received this word, they didn't doubt that this would be the scenario. And so the doctor said to her, look, there, there's no medical intervention we can do. There's nothing that we can do because you've got a tumor in your, the back of your brain. You've got them all down your spine, these cancerous tumors. We, we can't deal with it with chemo. Just It's time to spend time with your family. It's time to say goodbye. But we understood that just because this world might say your time is up, that the will of God is not done that the work of God is immortal in us until it's time for us to go. We understood, well, actually, we are a people of God. We've got to go to prayer. And so we began to pray. Our church began to pray for Julie. And even when there was no hope, there was an ember of hope. There was a flicker of a flame of hope. And we prayed, God, breathe. God, breathe. You are the author of life. You are the creator of life. You can do powerful miracles. We believe that there could be something that changed. We had expectation. We began to declare it. And then... God gave us a promise for Julie. My husband, John, he flew to Christchurch, which was where she was because they had the best cancer specialists down there. He flew down to visit her down there and he prayed for her, laid hands on her and he said, Julie, I feel like the Lord is saying this. Every doctor's report you receive from now on will be better than the last one you had. It didn't make sense. They're saying, say goodbye. It's time to die. It's not going to work. We've got no treatment for you. And he says, the doctor's reports are going to get better. Only a promise from God could say that. Only a promise from God could deliver that hope. Now, Julie had been unable to move because of these tumors. She'd lost her motion and she was in the hospital bed being wheeled around in wheelchairs. And as John laid hands on her and prayed for her, she felt a fire of God go through her body. She felt a warmth cursing through her body. And she said, Mom, take your hands off me. Mom, stop crying because Mom was there weeping. She thought her daughter was gone. She was saying goodbye. She was grieving while she was still there. Julie said, no, this is no longer the language of grief. This is no longer the language of despair. Something is shifting in my body. Something is shifting over my life. 
And for the first time in weeks, she said, I've got to stand up. I've got to stand up. And in that hospital room, she stood up and she began to walk. She began to walk around. Two days later, she was going in for just a biopsy. They wanted to check out something with his tumors. And they were going in to do a biopsy. It was meant to just be a two-hour or so operation. She's in there for over six hours. Her husband is like, what is going on? The doctor's don't say anything. She comes out of the theater. They don't say anything. They, they just assume that, you know, that it was confirmed everything's bad. You know, they don't have good news. But the next day, not just one doctor, but a whole team turns up in her room and they say, the reason the operation took so long is that we went in to do a biopsy on that, those cancerous tumors and the tumor was gone. The tumor had disappeared. We spend hours searching for the tumors that we can see in these scans. Right here is where they had tumors, and they are all gone. They were confused. They were struggling to understand what had happened. But you know what they said? They said, we can see nerve damage where tumors would have been. We can see the nerve damage because she was still just getting better at walking, and she was still in pain. So she didn't know that she'd been healed. They said, we can see the nerve damage. My friends, every doctor's report she got was better than the last one. Every doctor's report she got. The language of faith is a language of promises. And through us, the amen is spoken. Through us, the amen is spoken in Christ. You know, those doctors didn't let her go for over four weeks. She was healed and they kept her in hospital over four weeks and they kept scanning her, scanning her. Where did those tumors go? They couldn't understand it. Because you can't naturally understand when God moves sovereignly in our lives. We can't naturally understand what's accessed by faith. When faith moves a mountain, when faith moves a mountain because we expect it to happen, because we declare it could happen, because we claim the promise of God. Man, people will be shocked by what God activates over our life in the Holy Spirit. You know, I believe there are people in this room. You need to know that God has got a promise for you. God has got something that he wants to birth over your life. He wants to bring it to pass. But we're holding back the miracle because we're not expecting it. We're not declaring it and we're not speaking it out and we're not saying amen. There are some people in this room, you need to begin to say amen. You need to agree with what the Spirit of God wants to bring to pass in your life. God has got a great future for you. He is a good God. He doesn't leave us in our humiliation. He doesn't leave us in lack, but he moves us into his purpose. You know that wedding at Cana? Where the wine, Jesus turned the water to wine. You know that miracle, the first miracle, the first transformational miracle that Jesus did? It wasn't just so there was enough for the wedding. There was such an overflow, gallons, gallons of wine. I think it was over 660 bottles of wine. And if Jesus did it, it was the best wine, remember? That would have been thousands of dollars thousands of dollars of wine that he blessed them with. See, when God turns up because we expect him to, when we begin to speak that expectation, we don't just have enough. We have more than enough. There is overflow. There is blessing, not for today, but for tomorrow, for the future. God wants you to have legacy in your life. Legacy. As we become a people who speak this language of faith, is somebody expecting this morning that God could turn up? Maybe you're in that humiliation. Maybe you're in that challenge. Maybe you're in that lack. Maybe you've had a bad doctor's report. It's time to speak a different language than the language of this world, but to speak our Father's language, the language of heaven, a language of hope, a language of joy, a language of expectation, a language of possibility, and above all, a language of life. I want you to stand to your feet in this place. There are people in here, you know, God's got his promise hovering over your life, but you haven't amended it.
for whatever reason, maybe doubt, maybe a a failure in your past, maybe a sense of God wouldn't use me. (laughs) Why would God use me? I, I don't pray enough. You know, I don't do enough. Jesus didn't say pray more. He said, say, say, speak out to his disciples. And how do I increase my faith? Say it, speak it. He didn't say increase your faith by praying and praying and praying and trying to do this and do that and do that. No, every time we come to Christ, it's about what he's already done, not what we do. So we say it because he's done it. He's already done it. Jesus said it is finished because his promise is waiting our reception and our agreement here on earth. So right now, I believe there are people here and you've got promises that God is wanting to bring to pass over your life. God is wanting hope to rise. Some of us in this room, we've let hope die. But if there is an ember... Let the Holy Spirit breathe on that ember and bring that to life, that it would become a roaring fire that cannot be contained, that what God wants to do in your life would overflow through your life. So right now, what I want you to do is lift your voice. I want you to declare. I want you to speak out. What is it that hasn't come to pass? Begin to pray. Begin to pray into that doctor's report. Begin to pray into that situation. Begin to declare. Begin to receive the promise of God. For just a moment, the band's going to sing. You bring me into a spacious place but declare in faith that something's going to shift this morning in Jesus' name. Come on. here this morning, there are people here and you know I've been speaking to you this morning and you're like, Jillian, I've lost my hope. Jillian, I'm in this challenge and I I have been silent, but I know that I need this faith to rise in my heart. Just while everyone closes their eyes, I just want to pray for people in this room firstly, before we give everybody an opportunity to respond and receive Jesus Christ this morning. I want to pray with every person who goes, Jillian, there's been restriction. Jillian, there's been doubt or unbelief. Jillian, it's time for me to believe again, for hope to rise. I need faith for this challenge. Then lift your hand. I'm going to believe that a fresh a fresh faith would fill your heart, that God would cause you to move into a new space where you would agree with the promise of God. Right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I thank you, Jesus, for each and every one. Lord, this morning we say amen over their life. We say amen to the promise of God. Father, we believe that they would come truly into a spacious place. God, we declare that you would raise them back to life, that hope would overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. We declare the encouragement of the Spirit of God 
God surrounding them, raising them to life. Father, open their eyes to see afresh what you have. Father, that they would not see in the natural, but they would see in the spirit. We declare it's a new day, a new season, a spring season. And in the mighty name of Jesus, we say, let it be. Come on, he's bringing us into a spacious place. Sing this over your life right now. Come on. morning there's just a couple more things that I want to do and one is that there are people in this room and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ you haven't prayed a prayer of faith inviting him into your heart this morning is the morning where it is time to do that it's time to have a relationship with him the Bible says in Hebrews that without faith it is impossible to please God that everyone who comes to him must believe in him and receive the forgiveness of sins. You know, I really think there are people here this morning and you know it's time for you to have that relationship with him. You know that you've, maybe you've never prayed this prayer. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to pray a simple prayer of faith. It's a prayer that you can receive Jesus in your life. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in the air and pray this prayer with me. Say, Jillian, I want to pray this prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you. I simply want to know who I'm including in this prayer. There are others here in this room, you know, like Jillian, I know about Jesus, but I'm not living for Jesus. I know about him, but I'm kind of doing my own thing. Today, I want to acknowledge that I want to do what he wants. I want to live his way. I want to live for Jesus, not just know about Jesus, but live for Jesus and have this living relationship with him. It's time to get right with God. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you also to raise your hand and pray this prayer, this prayer of faith. Maybe you're in this room. And this morning, you don't have an assurance that when you die, you'll go to be in heaven with Jesus. Somehow there's just this doubt. There's this uncertainty that wrecks your life. God doesn't want you to live without assurance. I want you also to pray this prayer this morning, a prayer of faith, and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you go to die, you'll be in heaven with him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I just want to take a moment for you to respond to this this morning. There are people here in this room who need to pray this prayer. It's time to respond. Don't delay. Don't wait for another moment. Today is your moment. Today is the moment to enter into to faith. Faith, believing what Jesus has done and receiving it. There are people in this room, all across this room, your heart is beating. You're saying, Jillian, I need Jesus. I need a personal relationship with him. If that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. One, if you need a personal relationship with him. Two, if you know you need to live for him. And three, if you need assurance that you're saved right now, lift your hand. Lift your hand in the air. I'll see your hand and you can put it down. I believe there are people here who need to say yes to Jesus. Jillian, I need Jesus Christ. 
Lift your hand and we're going to pray that prayer. God bless you there. That's fantastic. Others saying, Jillian, I need Jesus. Lift your hand nice and high so I can see it. And then we're going to pray this prayer of faith. There are others here saying, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who's around you. You respond to Jesus. Don't worry about anybody else. If you need to respond, lift your hand. Get right with Jesus this morning. Lift your hand. Seize this moment. Right now, respond to him. I believe there's a couple of others and you've been wrestling with this. You've been wrestling with following God. You're like, you're kind of coming to church, but you're doing your own thing. It's time to respond to him with your whole heart. Live to please God. Lift your hand in this place. Just a couple of moments. God bless you. It's fantastic. God bless you. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Anyone else? Say, Jillian, this morning, I need a personal relationship with Jesus. People are responding across this room. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. Pray this prayer with me. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just lift your hand. There's one more person in this room. I, I'm delaying because I know there's at least one more person. And you need to respond this morning. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the moment to respond. God loves you. He loves you and he accepts you in his family. If you need Jesus Christ, lift your hand. Respond this morning. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. Looking around. Looking around. Don't delay in Jesus' mighty name. Well, fantastic. Many people have responded. Many people have responded. Can we put our hands together for every person who's given their heart to Jesus this morning? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's incredible. It doesn't matter how we come. We just come to him and he changes us. This morning, we're going to pray a prayer. It's a prayer of faith. The Bible says that if we believe in Jesus Christ, that God raised him from the dead, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we will be saved. So right now, I'm going to say a line. I want you to repeat it after me. And I want you to say it in a big, loud voice with a voice of faith. Amen. It's your declaration. So let's pray together, church. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I acknowledge my need of you. I thank you that when you died on the cross, you died for me. Forgive me, Lord. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I thank you that today I am born again by the Spirit of God, adopted into your family. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Let's celebrate what God has done. It's wonderful, incredible. All of heaven is celebrating right now. This has been the best decision of your life. The next best decision is that you stay committed and planted in this church. This is a great church. You can't go wrong building and planting your life here. Come to church every Sunday. Next week, they mentioned they're starting the next steps course in step one. I would encourage you, it doesn't matter who you are, just do it again. Go do that course. It will get you to flourish. It will cause you to access a greater level of faith over your life. Come on. Don't miss out on what God has. Don't just lift your hand today, but be part of this. Get planted, okay? Amen. I want us to sing this one more time. I believe God just isn't quite finished with us yet, but let's declare this over our lives. We're loving the God in this place right now. Come on, lift your voice. He brought us into a spacious place in Jesus' name.